Hi, and welcome to another episode of the RCH Kids Health Info Podcast, the podcast for parents about common child health concerns. I'm Dr. Lexi Frydenberg, paediatrician and your host for today, and I'm joined by my good friend, Dr. Margie Danshan. Welcome, Margie. Thanks, Lexi. Today we're talking about common airway and breathing issues in kids, often called respiratory conditions. We're joined by Dr. Sarah Thranganathan, paediatrician and respiratory physician at RCH. Thanks for joining us, Sarah. It's a pleasure. From the Royal Children's Hospital, Melbourne, this is the Kids Health Info Podcast. We're going to talk about a number of different respiratory or breathing conditions today, but we're going to start with probably the most common condition, cough. Kids seem to cough all the time, all night long. And I know with my own three kids, I'm often wearing earplugs at night because they're coughing so much. Sarah, why do kids cough all the time? And when as a parent should I worry and take them to see a doctor? Well, Lexi, the first thing to say is that everybody coughs because coughing is actually a normal thing to do. If you can think about what a cough does, it's clearing the airways of things that shouldn't be there, bits of dust and other things that we breathe in. So it's quite natural to cough and everybody does it and we all recognise that people cough and in fact we all cough probably every single day. But occasionally uh, there are other things that cause you to cough and one of the commonest things in young children are viral infections. And um, it's been estimated that people get about 6 to 12 of those every single year. And each time you get a cold or a viral infection in your lungs, you can cough for a few weeks. So you can imagine adding that all up together, how much of the time you could actually be coughing. And we've actually talked about that in one of our previous podcasts on fever and viral illnesses in kids. You know, 6 to 12 infections a year in younger kids. It's really common and often there's a cough. And Sarah, we know that often with viral infections, you know, we shouldn't treat that with antibiotics. So what can you do to help the cough in children? Is there anything that really works? Well, cough medicines are advertised very widely and probably just about everyone's gone out and bought one. But the scientific evidence says they don't actually work. So my advice in relation to cough medicines are save your money. And in fact, some of them can actually cause some side effects because some of them have drugs like codeine in it, which can cause you to become quite constipated. And my experience too is that they're often full of a lot of sugar. I remember giving them or trying them out when when my kids were younger and just often feeling like it made them really racy and sort of almost revved up from the sugar. The fact that everyone buys them gives us an indication of just how desperate people are Absolutely. when someone coughs. You want to try something. something. Mm-hmm. So if not cough medicines, is there anything that actually helps with the cough? Well, uh, uh, there, there have been some reports that honey can make a bit of a difference. So um, that's what I would give my children is just a spoon full, full, uh, full of honey before they go off to bed. Uh, a warm drink as well, because sometimes cold drinks can make things a bit worse. So, And a nice hug. Uh, <laughs> and I think probably the, the best way of helping is not by over-treating with all sorts of other things like cough syrups and other medications and medicines and sprays and inhalers like asthma medications. Okay, I think those recommendations are great. I'm not sure my 16-year-old wants the hug, but <laughs> apart from that... But there is a role for antibiotics, Sarah. Uh, when would you consider treating a cough with antibiotics? Well, not all cough is this sort of cough, and there are a few types of cough that we're a little bit more concerned about. Not necessarily just how long the cough's been going on for, but the sort of way that it sounds or the, the character of the cough. So one particular thing as a respiratory physician we always ask about is is that cough a wet cough? In older children, do they actually produce phlegm? 
And if you've got a wet cough that's going on for more than, say, four weeks, we call that a chronic wet cough. And that's something that we treat a little bit differently. We'll ask more questions and we'll even consider using antibiotics in that situation because then it might not be a viral infection. It might be a, a bacteria that's causing it and that bacteria could respond to antibiotics. So a cough that is wet is different than a dry cough, even if the child's not bringing anything up, it just sounds wet, and a cough that's long. Yeah, one that's going on for at least four weeks and it's got that sort of wet sound to it. When it's a dry cough and it goes on for a long period of time, I mean, we've even seen children that have been coughing nonstop for two years and the teachers of of that particular child have kicked them out of class because they think they're being disruptive. There are a number of causes of that, but unless it's a wet cough, mostly the causes of those are very benign. By that, I mean they're not going to cause any harm to the lungs. They're not going to cause any long-term harm to, to the child. So often after a virus, they might have an initial cough, but the virus and all the fever and every other symptom you know, gets better, but the cough remains. Yeah, you can get that cough going on for ages. And, and we, we call that situation, and we give it a long name, it's called cough receptor hypersensitivity. I explain that. I mentioned that when we get a bit of dust in our lungs, we, we cough it up. That's a reflex. That's what the body wants to do. But sometimes we think that when you get a cold, it can sort of make those receptors go a bit haywire. So they don't even need a bit of dust to make you cough. And that goes on for a long period of time, several months until it settles down eventually. Again, you don't need any medicine. You just need to know that's what it is and it will get better eventually with some patience. And Sarath, what about those coughs that we might think of as like a habit cough? Well, we see children with habit cough all the time. It needs a bit of an explanation because a lot of parents don't know about this condition when they come to see us. It often starts again with a sort of viral uh, infection and then children develop a cough and that actually becomes a habit and it's a different sort of sounding cough it's actually more of a throat clearing cough it sounds like there's something something back at the at the back of the throat that they need to get rid of and it usually only occurs in the daytime and most coughs that are associated with infections are worse at night time or when the weather's cold or something else like that or when you're active these habit coughs tend to occur in the daytime and the child has got stuck into the habit of coughing and it can be very concerning and again the worst thing that you can do is try all sorts of different medicines you just got to relax recognize it's a habit cough and usually again with that can disappear once you know that that's what it is so we've talked about treatments. Unfortunately, there's not great treatments apart from some honey. Um, What about the effect of smoking on airways? Does that make cough worse? And is there anything else that makes the cough worse in children? Yeah, well, smoking is not good, uh, even for an older child who decides to smoke themselves very bad. Um, But being exposed to um, uh, tobacco smoke or any other smoke actually is harmful to the lungs. It can make those receptors we talked about um, go a bit haywire, so that can trigger a lot of coughing. And there are also um, hair cells, hairs in the lung, that actually help clear dust as well. And so cigarette smoke can actually paralyse those so they don't move and beat and get rid of the dust as well. And it's not just being in a room with the parent who smokes, it's actually sits on the furniture and the clothes as well. I think that's an important... Well, what I say to parents when they come and see me in the clinic is if you can smell cigarette smoke, the reason you smell it is that that's gone into your upper airways, into the back of your nose, and and, and you're sensing it in your nose. So 
we've talked a little bit about cough. One of the more distinct coughs that we see in children is um, a cough that's called croup. And it's quite different than other types of cough. And probably the most frightening for parents, I'm not sure, Margie, whether any of your four kids have had croup, but I've certainly, you know, been standing out waiting for an ambulance in the middle of the night. So, Sarah, can you just tell us what croup is, who gets it, and why children are more prone to croup than older um, adults? Well, it's younger children that get croup. It's caused by viral infections. There are a few that are most likely to cause it that we know about and recognise. And it's an infection of the upper airway. And of course, in the upper airway, we've just got one airway, the windpipe or trachea. So if that gets inflamed and narrow, then obviously um, it's going to block your breathing. And that's where there can be a concern with croup. Um, It can potentially be um, a risky thing to have. A croupy cough is characterised by a sort of seal-like mm. bark. It's very distinctive, isn't it? And that's quite common when you get a virus that affects your, your upper airway. Um, but when it gets more severe and the upper airway is blocked, you actually can get a different sound, which we call stridor. And stridor is a sound due to the upper airway being narrowed to the point where it's difficult to breathe in. It really affects the breathing in. And that's something that's more concerned that we would certainly recommend someone seek medical help. We've got some examples of these sounds. Let's have a listen to them now. This is what croup sounds like. And this is the stridor when the child has difficulty breathing in. As a parent, we always want to know what's serious. When is it serious? So if they just have the barking cough, is that serious or you know, is it when they have the breathing difficulty that we need to seek help? It's very common to have the barking cough in that situation. Uh, and I would say that if you've got any difficulty in breathing with the barking cough, then you should go and seek advice, maybe see your GP. Um, but if you've got that noise, the stridor, and if you've got any signs that the your, your child's having difficulty in breathing, and there are some certain signs I'd, I'd like to mention. For example, um, you can sometimes see sucking in in the chest, of the muscles of the chest. Sometimes you can see sucking in um, just over the windpipe, um, the little dip at the top of your throat. And that shows that you're having to use extra muscles to try and overcome that airway that's blocked. And that really should be looked at in that situation. So it's not the noise alone, it's some of the other things that go with it. That sort of increased effort or or increased work of trying to breathe and get air in. So they're sort of really working a lot harder. Yes, I think it's important to look at what your child's like because Mm. um, it's not just the noise alone. Because when the airway is really severely blocked, it goes quiet because there's no air moving in and out. So in that situation, the child might be very quiet indeed. But it's it's looking at their overall condition, how hard they're working and what sort of distress they are like and whether or not they're alert and, you know, interacting with you. And I think it's hard because it's often in the middle of the night. So when should parents call an ambulance? I often have patients say, oh, I just wasn't sure and I didn't want to disturb them. They're really busy. But croup is one of those conditions we do say, call an ambulance if you're worried. So when should parents call? Um, well, if you hear that noise that we talked about, the stridor, uh, and if there's any difficulty in breathing, that's certainly a, a situation where you'd want to call a, an ambulance. 
I actually think as a parent, it's always good to get to know what your child's breathing is normally like. So when they're having a bath in the younger years or if they're swimming, you can actually watch their breathing when they're just sitting there. Get a feel for what's normal so that you can recognise when something's abnormal in your child. And often kids with croup have a mild croupy cough during the day and then go to sleep and then actually wake up in the middle of the night quite distressed with the cough a lot worse and then that stride or starts so they can be distressed as well, which of course the distress makes the narrowing or the stride or a bit worse. Absolutely, and I think one of the important points about when you're looking after a child like this for, for a parent and for medical staff is to keep calm because your distress is going to make your child's distress worse. So it's, it's important to make the environment calm, quiet, stay with your child during the night if that's the situation or until you seek medical help, um, just to keep them as calm as possible because the more distressed they are, the more difficult it's going to be to breathe through that narrow airway. And what about the role of like humidifiers or steam that's often spoken about to help with croup at that point? Occasionally they can sort of help keep you calm, but they're actually not been shown to improve the situation of the airway obstruction. So don't really recommend uh, doing those. Parents um, shouldn't rely on it. You've only got the one airway. And if you're seeing these signs of distress, yeah. um, there are treatments that can help. So it's important to seek medical advice in that situation. So if your child has mild croup, so the barking cough, but their airway seems to be okay, they're breathing pretty in a relaxed way, they're talking normally... What treatments do we offer? Um, well, in that situation, you may not need any treatment at all. If they've got a high fever and they're very uncomfortable, you might have a course of paracetamol. But you don't really need any other treatment, probably making sure that the child's having enough to drink. Um, sometimes it's easier to drink small amounts more often. It's only really when there are more severe symptoms, particularly the stride or that noisy breathing, that we um, use other treatments. And uh, one of those is called dexamethasone, which is a type of steroid. And that actually decreases some of that swelling in, in the throat. Mm-hmm. And is that done through the GP or only in hospital? Um, your GP could uh, offer that, but I think in most situations and you, you want to be in the best place. And that is an emergency situation where you've got a problem with your airway and you need those steroids. Um, so that is a, a, a good reason to, to even head to the emergency okay. department. So steroids, dexamethasone or prednisolone are sometimes used by doctors. And then at the very severe end, Sarah, sometimes you can use like a, a nebulizer if the child is in hospital with adrenaline. Um, But that's obviously, you know, in-hospital severe treatment. Yes, that's usually done in the emergency department as as well. Although, you know, if if your GP were faced uh, with a a child and it was an emergency situation, they had that, they'd probably administer it too. But that's usually uh, given in a hospital situation under good uh, sort of observation. So croup's probably one of the most frightening thing for parents, but just to sum up, it's due to a viral infection. Most cases it's mild, they'll have the barking cough, but in more severe cases, particularly at night if the child's having difficulty breathing in, it's worth calling an ambulance and getting the right treatment. And the good news is that it happens in younger kids, so most children actually grow out of croup. Okay, so one of the other common airway or breathing issues we get asked about all the time is wheeze. What is wheeze? And I think parents and doctors actually sometimes mean something different by the word wheeze. So can you help us clarify what is wheeze? Well, that is a very good question. We talked about stride or being this noise when the upper airway is blocked. Well, wheeze is a noise when the lower airways are blocked. And in contrast to the fact that we've only got one upper airway, the windpipe, there are 
thousands of smaller airways at the very edges of the lung. You can imagine sort of the branches of a tree going out, and this is the very edges of the tree, the, the very small twigs. And so um, wheezes are different noise because there's all these different airways. When they're all blocked, they're all blocked to different amounts, and you get this very complex sort of noise. It's mainly when you breathe out. It's okay. not a it's not a sound when you breathe in, and it's a sort of whistling sound. I'm going to demonstrate okay, it. I'm probably it. better at this because I do have asthma, and people with asthma wheeze. <sighs> and that's what you sound like if you don't stick to your asthma plan and you don't take your puffers, which is what <laughs> I forgot. Realize I've forgotten to do. And Sarah, can yeah. you sort of uh, describe to parents what causes that wheeze? Why is there a blockage in those small airways? Well, in younger children, it often again occurs with viral infections. And when I say often, it is often. Um, about half of all children will have an episode of wheezing before their third birthday. So it's really common. Really common. And that is a symptom. Lots of things can cause wheezing. I mentioned it's just it's obstruction of the smaller airways. So um, some children can actually be born with smaller airways, so they might wheeze. Um, for some children, um, their airways are okay unless they have a viral infection that causes a bit of swelling and they've got that narrowing, so they might wheeze in, in that situation. Um, for a, a younger child who, for example, doesn't eat a peanut, properly doesn't chew it and it goes down the wrong way those children can wheeze because it's blocked up one of the lower airways as well so there are lots and lots of different causes not just asthma asthma is something a little bit different it's when you have recurrent episodes of wheeze which over a period of time that is um, reversible you ha you can have a puffer and the wheeze goes away it might get worse with you know exercise or running around or some allergies um, it might get worse with cold air and other things and um, so it's a bit different wheeze is a symptom that's really really common asthma less common um, but to do with lots and lots of recurrent wheeze and inflammation in the airways. So wheeze is a feature of asthma, but not all wheeze is asthma. Absolutely not. And I think we're going to be talking, we'll do a whole podcast on asthma because it's the most common child health condition, and we'll do that probably in season two, hopefully. But we do have some videos about what is asthma and how to treat asthma that are available on our Kids Health Info page. So please go on, yeah. read about it, but also watch these it videos. It is really important to make that distinction, though, because I think parents assume that any wheeze is asthma. So it's a good point to make. But yeah. you brought up earlier, Lexi, that this notion that doctors and parents don't always think of wheeze as the same thing. And um, that's certainly true. I was involved in some research many years ago where parents would ask, what is it uh, that makes you think that your child is wheezing? And in half of the occasions, the doctors and the parents didn't think wheeze was at the right. same time. Right. So there's a big discrepancy there. And the other thing is that sometimes you can't hear wheeze without a stethoscope. Absolutely. Um, so again, it's important to look for other signs of difficulty in breathing. And we mentioned some of those before about the muscles between the ribs sucking in. That's a common thing when wheeze is quite severe. Again, uh, children uh, might use uh, the muscles in the shoulders so they can sort of lift their shoulders up. Yeah. And, and, and on our videos of asthma, actually, we've got some videos of children who are struggling to breathe to show you what those signs are. And how parents can detect them. Yeah. yeah. So difficulty breathing, using extra muscles. What other signs or things should parents look out for apart from the wheeze and the, the muscle use? If wheeze is more severe, 
and the child is more breathless, they might have difficulty again drinking and eating, but more importantly, they may have difficulty even talking. And that's an important sign. If, if a child's... Very um, quiet. Yeah. yeah. And another thing is if they're, if they're not themselves a bit agitated and um, not behaving as they normally would with the sort of difficulty in breathing, that, that can be a sign that the wheeze is getting more severe. And perhaps that the oxygen level uh, is a bit lower. Yeah. yeah. And I think also fast breathing. So... Many kids who are struggling to breathe might breathe faster than usual, so getting to know what the usual um, rate or what your child usually breathes like. But not all children will breathe fast. So particularly if they're really severe, as you said, they go quiet and their breathing might be really slow. Okay, so a parent or a doctor has heard wheeze. What do we do next? Some wheeze, like when you get a cold, again, you've sort of got to sit it out to a certain extent. Um, It doesn't really respond to any treatments particularly well. But often what we do try is something to open up the airways. And uh, this drug's called salbutamol. It's got other names, Ventolin, and so it comes in a puffer. And um, so we often try that. And and, um, in around 10 to 15%, so one in eight children, you'll see a response to that and they might uh, improve. For most children who've you know wheezing with a with a cold, it doesn't help particularly well, um, but it's probably the best thing that we can use to try. Sometimes in those situations, we again use steroids. Um, often the hospital will use steroids. Again, there's some response to that. It's not fantastic. Most of the the, the treatment relies on just making sure that the child's comfortable, is drinking, um, ha- having enough to eat, and so forth. And Sarah, when you use the puffer, how do you instruct parents to use the puffer? Um, well, um, we usually instruct them to use what we call a spacer, which is a sort of holding device. What I often do now is refer them to the uh, videos that the, the hospital has, which are excellent. The, the reason I do that is because if I were to explain to someone um, how to use uh, the spacer and the puffer, I know within 10 minutes of leaving that room, uh, people don't recall the right way to do it. And the way I know that is because there has been a study that looked at respiratory physicians in the UK, someone like me, and showed that actually only a quarter of them knew how to do it properly once they sort of left the room. Much better to actually watch a demonstration. But it's an important point to make, isn't it? Because um, parents do sometimes put the mouthpiece of the puffer straight into the child's mouth. uh, And we know that the medication doesn't get down into the lungs as effectively. And we use different things for different ages. So younger children, we have a mask with the spacer, older children, the spacer alone. Um, But I think the the key point is if you're worried or you hear a wheeze, it's important to go and see the doctor and get them to listen and look for other signs of breathing difficulty, not to just go and buy a puffer and spacer from the chemist themselves. And it's also really important to get that technique right because very little of that drug goes into the lungs. So we're trying to get as much in as possible. If you do it really well, you'll get about 20% of that puff puffer into your lungs. If you do it really badly, virtually nothing goes in. And it may be that those doctors in the UK did it badly because they were poms, <laughs> but uh, it, I think it's it's pretty universal. People do it quite poorly. It's very oh, look, important. It's like it a right. skill, a mm. skill like anything else, isn't it? You know, it's something that you need to learn, to to watch, to be shown. And also, if you've tried to um, get your younger child to take a puffer with a spacer, it's really hard. So we actually do have some holding techniques yeah, that actually, you can use. That's a good point, Lexi. With little kids, you might need two people to to give yeah. the ventilator. Your videos are great. I want to compliment those. Thank you. And um, and I'll give an example of what happens 
was in the old days before the videos, I remember once asking, this was an adult patient, could you show me how you're taking your puffer? And he did everything right. He got the spacer, he um, shook the puffer, he put it in the spacer, and then instead of putting it to his mouth, he actually sprayed it directly onto his chest. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and we said, what, what are you doing at that? And he said, oh, this was in the UK as well, so you can blame those UK pommy doctors again. But <laughs> Who might be listening today? <laughs> <laughs> he said, oh, the doctor, they just told me to take this for my chest. So that's where he was spraying yeah, it. Spraying but it, it onto his chest. It doesn't yeah. get through the chest wall, unfortunately. No, I think, it, I think it's really hard. So I think it's good to have resources available. But just to go back um, to wheeze, wheeze is a symptom. You need to get checked at the doctor. Sometimes it might be related to asthma if there's recurrent episodes, but not always is asthma. And we're going to talk a lot more about asthma another time. Yeah. So I think that's all we've got time for today. Thank you so much, Sarath, for joining us. Thanks, Lexi, and thanks, Margie, for having me on the show. As we all know, there are many other respiratory or breathing conditions that kids have. These might include bronchiolitis in younger children, pneumonia and whooping cough, otherwise known as pertussis. And we've got some information on those on the Kids Health Info Fact Sheets. You can also find additional information about cough, croup, asthma and a link will be in our episode notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to follow us on your preferred podcast platform and leave us a review. Thanks for listening. Information provided in this podcast is general in nature and is intended to support, not replace, discussions with your doctor or healthcare professional. If you are concerned about your child, please consult your local healthcare professional for further advice.